pardon me, sugar. Incoming transmission. Engage house party protocol. Mark 4, powering up. Mark 17, powering up. Mark 44, powering up. All suits are online. Welcome to house party protocol. Power up suits and welcome in to another episode of House Party Protocol. My name is Will, and with me today we have Chris from that '70s game blog, right? Isn't that, isn't that like how like that's how you would just call it, right? Yeah, I be it. It's it was a spin-off of my yeah. It's that '70s game. There you go. Do you want to know the history? Uh, I would love to know the history, and I'm sure the suits out there would love to know the history. And with that, I will also include a link down in the description so people can get right to it because uh, I will say I've been reading it for a while it's always great stuff and you definitely had some high praise for me so I can't complain about that <laughs> <laughs> yeah I think came about a really long time ago back when like gamer tag started being a thing so it wasn't my first ever Xbox Live one but it was my second one so there was a point I'd, I'd been using something I was like I'm going to change my Xbox Live gamer tag mm -hmm. so this is going back a very long time um, and at the same time, I was watching that 70s show, and I don't think it was new at the time, but that's what I happened to be watching on the, on the TV. And I was born in the 70s because I'm actually quite old. Uh, and <laughs> I was looking for something like that. But it was like, I was looking, I wanted that, I think I wanted that 70s guy, and that was taken, and it was like that 70s dude. And I literally went through a string of things. And that 70s bloke was the one I got. <laughs> nice. uh, and then sometime after that I, I decided to just start doing a blog and i mean mostly it's most of the time it's been role-playing games um it's become very marvel focused recently but a long a lot of the time it was it was just role-playing game stuff and so because i was that 70s bloke and i'm always that 70s bloke on like everything now um it seemed to be easy just to change the last word to to game so that's it so it's been yeah that 70s game so yeah nice there you go. i love it that's that's awesome and you know i Definitely. Anytime you said you were born in the 70s, so you're quite old. I don't believe that because the 70s was only 30 years ago. OK, like anytime you refer to the 70s, it was 30 years ago. The 80s was 20 years ago. OK. <laughs> yes, unfortunately, that's just not the case. Anymore. <laughs> it's, it's definitely not, but it's OK. It's the world I still want to live in. So that's where we're going to go. So it's, it's the kind of thing where like the, like the friends of mine that are like literally born in the same kind of year and stuff me that you get to the age where you don't know how you know you're not 50 yet because you that you never want that to happen that's really old right and right. i turn my friends at the weekend go how old am i again it's like you're 46 and another one go how old am i like oh you're oh no your birthday you're 45 and you think flipping it guys come on you can at least should be able to remember how old you are but uh, at some point it just it just falls by the wayside i mean i'm only 34 but i definitely have a hard time remembering that i'm 34 <laughs> Yeah, I think kind of when you've hit things like the 30s and then you kind of go a bunch of years, particularly as, you, as you'll start getting close to 40, actually you will know very, it will be very clear to you that you're getting close to 40. Whereas okay. I've done that now, so now it's all about, oh, I don't want to be 50. Right, there That's you like, go. <laughs> well, you know, hopefully Marvel Crisis Protocol gets to last that long. Uh, you know, fingers crossed. So far, I think we're in a pretty good spot here. And we've had some uh, recent reveals and whatnot that uh, is what we're going to talk about today. So... Back during the mini extravaganza, we had the rogue reveal, and I've kind of been holding off. And you reached out; you wanted to come on and talk about that. And I'm 
definitely down to do that. So we're excited. Going to talk about Rogue because I've really been feeling the X-Men lately. And I think that Rogue definitely opens up some things for them. I think she opens up things for a lot of people, honestly, a lot of affiliations. But, you know, and then we're also going to talk about the changes to Green Goblin because that model deserved some love. And I think it got it. So, yeah, he definitely needed a lot of love. Definitely need a lot of love. But before we jump into the topics here, I want to remind everyone that we're doing a giveaway right now. So make sure to go and check that out. It's the pinned post on our Facebook page, House Party Protocol podcast on Facebook. So check that out. And you can enter on the post there. You can leave a comment and a like. And then if you listen to the podcast, we have some bonus keywords. We'll we'll throw one in here a little later for everyone. So we'll have a bonus phrase that you can send a message to us either via email on Discord. If you're you're in our Discord or if you know me on Discord, whatever, it's at HPP underscore Will. You can send it there or you can send it uh, through Facebook Messenger. That's where I kind of keep track of everything and, and all that. So anyways, get some bonus entries. We got a Convocation Mystic Wave giveaway, so to speak. So it's basically you're going to get a Dormammu model, a Dormammu mama. (laughs) Yes. So you'll get the Dormammu model. One winner will get the Dormammu thing, and then you'll have another winner, and that winner will get the rest of the Mystic Wave. So you're going to have two separate winners, and I'm really excited to do this. It's kind of another big giveaway that we're doing, and and I think it's going to be fun. So make sure to check that out, and you can also... Uh, check out our Patreons, patreon.com slash housepartyprotocol. If you want to support the page, you know, I never put anything behind a paywall or anything like that, so you can come and hang out and chit-chat and get access to our Discord. And if you go to the Mark V level tier, you'll get two bonus entries into the giveaway. And then if you want to just, like, cut out after getting those bonus entries, that's fine, too. I won't judge you. Have you guys even got Dormammu yet in America? Oh, no. We we have TBD as our... our our release time for the Mystic Wave. And uh, I think Blade and Moon Knight have also been pushed back as well. Yeah, I mean, we were upset because we thought we were getting them towards the end of August, and then they got delayed till sort of two weeks into September. But at least we've got them. You know, that was, I've had them for two weeks now, so. Oh, wow. Nice. Yeah, it's, uh, I'm, fingers crossed I can get them soon. I'm uh, on the cusp, and it's just, just the cusp of being like, ordering from overseas because it's just so unknown right now but i'm also like you know i want to support my local shop and all that stuff so if i do order from overseas i'm still going to buy the ones from my local shop and then just do it as a, as a, like another giveaway or something but either way like i'm just i'm chomping at the bit to get the new stuff because i mean it's not like i already have a hundred and something models to play with or anything <laughs> yeah but it's always the new the new, new shiny that I always, I always want the new stuff. That's why I got Dormammu and I painted him and I like threw him. I, you know, I've played a bunch of games with him already. Yeah. Um, even though I don't know what I'm doing with him, but he's uh, I, don't, I don't. I think he's just, you know, he's just a hammer. You just throw him in there and things happen. Good for you, probably, right? <laughs> uh, yeah, most of the time so far. Nice. So, yeah, make sure to check out the the giveaway and, and check us out over there on Patreon if you're interested. Follow us on all the places. And currently, uh, Season 6 of the TTS League is ongoing. So if you want to check out my matches for that, you can follow me on Twitch, twitch.tv slash DarthBalls05. And that's balls with a Z because, you know, like you talked about, the, the gamer tags that you just never change, that was me. You know, I made this in 2005 
because I graduated high school in 2005. So I was like, ooh, oh, five. Yeah. And then Jay and Silent Bob came out and there's a scene in that when Jay, uh, you know, he's like, I'm Darth Balls. Bong. And I'm like, well, this is it. This is my life now. And I've just never changed it because, you know, being a 34 year old man with that, it just makes it just works. It just makes sense. So there we go. So there we go. So anyways, Chris, let's jump into our discussions today because I am really, really excited to talk about these characters. And first up, we're going to talk about Green Goblin because I think he's the one that we can kind of go through the quickest because I think there's a lot to unpack with Rogue. But I think Green Goblin is is really, really something here. So. Uh, Chris, what's changed on his card? So, yeah, the first thing, they didn't change as far as I could work out. They didn't change his defensive line or his or his threat or his stamina. It's pretty much the the main, the first thing they hit mainly was his pumpkin bombs. Um, something a lot of people have asked for. It used to be four dice. Now it's five dice, which makes a massive difference, I think, because like it, it generates power off the damage dealt. And when he was only doing four dice, it was frequently he wouldn't generate any power and then he couldn't do anything else on his card. So mm-hmm. to me, that's a big deal. And then the other one is the, the Oscorp weapon. You see his leadership. So this is affecting his whole affiliation. Um, it now says once per turn, when an allied character is attacking during the modify opponent's dice step, it may reroll one opposing defense dice, which sounds the same as last time, but it doesn't cost a power anymore. Yes. Yes. Like, I know Jacob from the Xavier Protocols, he did a breakdown when this leadership was first revealed back months ago, and it is one of the most powerful leaderships. And and being able to spend a power anytime your opponent rolls defense dice to make them re-roll one of those dice was powerful, but the affiliation and kind of the way that everything was working out with spider foes up to that point was they didn't really have the power to do that because they had so many other cool things to spend their power on. So this change, yes, it's only once per turn. So you're not going to be able to potentially like, you know, stack it multiple times. But I think that this makes a lot more sense and it's still very powerful and and able to kind of push that damage through just that much further, I, I think it's it's going to help out the affiliation as spider foes in general a lot. Like, what do you think about this? Yeah, I mean, totally. I think the, the problem in the past was exactly what you said. You didn't have the power to spend it. Now, okay, like if you did spend the power, you were probably going to get that power refunded back to you. But a lot of the characters just, you know, were, were struggling to generate that one power to even do this. So at least now... You know, it's not going to be broken. A lot of the a lot of the spider foes only have four dice, only have four dice builders like Lizard does, Mysterio does. Mm-hmm. Uh, so you know, that's suddenly now they're going to become that little bit more consistent, actually hitting some damage. Which like Mysterio is a perfect case. He you know if he rolls blanks, great, he generates power. But if he doesn't roll those blanks, he's really struggling to generate power, and he needs you know he needs three powers to do, uh, you know his, his his trap ability, and he needs you know he needs power left, right, and center. And now hopefully. You know, this is, even if it generates him only one more power, you know, around, that's going to mean that the whole rest of his kit starts working that little bit better. So, absolutely, uh, fingers crossed. Yeah, and I think Mysterio is probably the poster child for, for who this helps the most. Like, you know, because his main attack, his hip, hypnosis gas, it's if it does damage, that's when you get to advance people around the table, right? Yeah. And so now 
where you went from having a four dice thing and and I know I know the math on four dice stuff. The math says four dice builders aren't as bad as we the proverbial we all think they are. But in practice, I'm telling you they're terrible. <laughs> You know what I mean? Like, I, I can't tell you how many times I've had a four dice attack. It's like, I just need one power. I just need one. Well, and- I've been playing a bunch of games recently with, with Sam Wilson Avengers. And like in sort of two events with Sam, I don't think he's, I think he's done maybe one, one point of damage. So at least on that attack, though, his shield's always generating a power, like automatically. Right. So I don't mind if he doesn't do the damage. Okay, I'm missing the push, which is sad. And I'm not hitting the ricochet because that's just not a thing. Um, but, <laughs> but at least he was always generating the one power. But yeah, Mysterio, he needs to do damage to both get power and to get the pushes off. And then his whole kit works. And if he'd so now been able to just on one of his attacks, he doesn't have to spend a power. You reroll their dice. You know, if you, you've got a reasonable chance because, you know, rerolling defense is pretty good. Yeah. Uh, they don't get the block. You do that. You know, even if it's just one point of damage, well, now he gets a power back. Uh, and they get to move. They get to move short, which he gets his mark. You know, he gets his. Uh, was it tricks and traps? Yeah. They take all. Everything now works. So it's it's super key for him. Yep. Uh, I think that it's it's helps him a lot, and I think just overall, Spider Foes. This is really interesting. Just in context of everything, and like, let's look at a character like a Venom who has his clapback attack. You know, the Venom clapback. <laughs> so many snacks. We are Venom, right? It costs you a ton of power. But now you're able to not only hit back and heal, but then you can heal more potentially. Or even if you're not using the We Are Venom attack, not using the heal, and you're just doing the symbiote tendrils, well, now you're able to put a bleed condition on someone on their turn, in the middle of their turn, potentially, and then they could bleed out at the end of it after taking the damage from the attack. Like there, There's so much more versatility here with just this one little change and and making that power economy work that way. And because it's once per turn, you got to think about these characters that have these out-of-activation attacks now. Like I think Spider-Foes could become like this kind of clapback team, if you will. You know, you could put characters in there like Sabretooth or like Daredevil who have these hit-back attacks so out-of-turn they can do something, which could be pretty interesting. Yeah, I think Venom just got really, really scary. And like you said, these other ones that if you hit them, you know they're going to hit you back, but also now they can hit back and it's going to hurt a lot. Exactly. Which you don't really want to be doing. So I think that's going to make a massive difference. But I think the other difference, okay, is his leadership got better, which is great, but also like Green Goblin himself, he's, his attacks almost got like, you know, not quite, but almost like two dice better because you're getting an extra dice when you attack. And on his damage side, it has gone up to six. So you, you get an extra dice on both sides. And then now you don't have to spend the power. And again, like Goblin really wants his power. Hit and runs two, trick or treats three. He really wants his power. And I think now he's going to have, you know, now he doesn't need to spend the power on doing the Oscorp weaponry. So he's going to be much more consistent doing damage, uh, which is going to be, you know, great. It's not going to be the thing where lots of, I, I've done it myself, of actually going, I'm not going to take Green Goblin. I'm going to play. I'm going to play spider foes because I can use sinister traps and mm-hmm. I'm not going to take green goblin because he's a liability. Um, you know, so we're going to see a lot more spider foes and we're going to see more green goblin, which like, I know it's part of the reason I said to you, let's talk about green goblin. Cause I know how much you love that miniature. Oh yeah. It, it look, I know that there's been some amazing sculpts that have still come out in recent times, but look, 
Green Goblin, it still is, it's the perfect miniature. It's the perfect miniature because, <laughs> like, I mean, he's throwing the pumpkin bomb. He's cackling clearly. There's the smoke trail. I mean, look, I, I love all these models that have come out. All these new models look great, but I just, Green Goblin's still my number one OG best miniature. I love it. And to have that model on the table, I'm really excited for it. It's one of the few that I have painted, so there's that. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I'm that I'm that guy that takes his sad gray minis to a tournament. Don't judge me. But uh no, I, I think that you hit the nail on the head is that Green Goblin liability on the table is a really interesting way to put it because initially he was a character that like when he came out, I was like, you know, you can make him work because then, you know, if you get the wild on the bag of tricks and you get the incinerate, like things can happen, right? And and being able to attack from range four is is good choosing physical or energy is net good but it just never seemed to kind of come together right and i think that this change it's it's a very simple simple change adding a fifth die on his healthy side and a sixth die on his injured side just allows him to kind of be that much more of what his role is on the tabletop and i think that he's a character that was designed to be somewhat of a of a long range assassin and kind yeah. of never really got to fill that role and now i think he's able to do that and then also with the potential for bag of tricks having that extra die you get that that more of a chance to hit that wild like again i don't know the math specifically on it but it is a pretty big difference between four and five of getting that wild. Yeah. And I think, yeah, that, I think that's so important. The kind of the reason I'd say he was a liability wasn't as much that like he was he wasn't great, but I think part of the problem is when you had you've got other four threats. Yes. So because you've got Venom and Carnage, you're kind of like, Well, I'd rather take both of them. I mean that, that's literally I had an event where I did that. I played it was a it was a five game event, it was a proper slog. But by game five of Green Goblin doing literally nothing for four games Game five, I went, I'm not taking him. I'm just going to play, I'm going to play Venom and Carnage and, you know, some other models. Um, and I didn't miss him. Whereas now he's making the, re you know, he's doing what a leader should do. He is making the rest of the affiliation better. And he himself is now going to do stuff. He is going to hopefully incinerate people and he is going to do a bit of damage. Yeah. Uh, and if people start going, oh, we better deal. And you could leave him alone before. You could go, yeah. we're not going to touch Green Goblin because we know he's not going to do anything. Right. And, and you know, you mentioned not leaving him alone. You don't want to flip. You didn't want to flip him because he did yeah. get better when he was on his injured side, and now he gets that much better. And I think that part of you know, you you said you played him a good bit, and so have I. And he's one of those things that like whenever Green Goblin flipped, it was like, oh crap, I need to make sure he's safe or else he's dead if I don't have priority. And I think that now, like that's still the case. Because they didn't change his stamina value, they didn't change his defense, which I think is good, because I think that's where the balance comes into it. But I think now he is that much more dangerous on his injured side than he was before, to the point where it's like, well, now he is, he, he has that, like, five-threat damage output on his injured yeah. side. And, and I really love that, because I think that that just leans more into his role, again, like I said, so... I think that you still have to watch out for for him getting decimated. <laughs> you know, if you flip and you don't have priority on him, it's going to be a bad time because he's priority target, right? Yeah, I mean, his 
he's like he's got his knight of the goblin which only costs three and glider ram only costs three so and he's going to have the power to do that but but if he does one or both of them he's now throwing six dice pumpkin bombs which like you said is that's that's the kind of thing that five and and six threat characters have and he's only a four threat but unfortunately it's the the five stamina on the second side right so yeah but that's that's the balance and and i'll take it and I think that uh, the, the biggest conversation around this is like the changes to him are great, but it's what you said earlier about enabling the rest of the team. And when I look at this, like, do you think there's anybody that we haven't really thought about as being in a spider foe list that maybe we could throw in out of affiliation now that he just gets that much better? I think you actually like you totally nailed it because of the the fact that the ability the leads to ability says. You can only use it once per turn. Any character that can attack someone when they are attacked, I think suddenly now becomes potential spider foes. So like Venom already has that, so that's great. He's affiliated. But like I fought into Sabretooth and I've found him, you know, difficult. But that makes him better. Oh yeah. Literally. Because he's gonna he's gonna move when you hit him, and then he's gonna so he's gonna be in range to attack you, and he's gonna do a lot of damage. Um, you know, and that's Sabretooth and a spider foes thing, that doesn't seem too too far away from it. Uh, I'm not sure I could bring myself to put a daredevil in a spider folks team. But again, the ability wise, if you're just going for the straight play and you don't care about, you know, the, the comics, then again, that's that's going to be a really good ability to just hit people, being able to reroll their dice. Um, it kind of makes you think, you know, how much of a team can you put out with just those guys? Yeah. And Green Goblin and Venom and you need one other model. And people are thinking, I, I don't want to hit you because if I hit you, I'm taking a lot of damage back. Exactly. And you mentioned Sabretooth. I'm with you. I think, like, if if we're just going on the, the, like, you know, the power gamer in me, well, yeah, I'd love to try Daredevil there, but I'm with you. Like, that just doesn't make any sense at all. But with that being said, I think Sabretooth is a really, really interesting out-of-affiliation choice. Like, yes, he's expensive at four threat, but he has the Untamed Force, which is allows you to basically do an attack out of activation right so that's that's the one that costs you two power reactive all that fun stuff but he has aggressive so if he's attacked from range he can move closer use untamed force get that re-roll but he also has the wild pierce so like (laughs) i mean you want to talk about just some potential heavy damage output like i'm that's exciting to me yeah you can really see kind of someone if you're playing against spider foes and they've got saber tooth you really do not want to hit Sabretooth because there's a reasonable chance you you essentially get no defense, you know. And I, even on four dice, getting two blocks on four dice is, is like slightly under average. But against Sabretooth, the Sabretooth is going to pierce one, maybe. Right. Green Goblin's a leadership, that's going to knock another one. Right? You just roll no defense. Sabretooth does you for three damage, and that was your attack. You probably ended up doing more damage to yourself than you did to Sabretooth. And you're bleeding, so like you said, you then take another point of damage at the end of your <laughs> exactly. turn. Exactly. Um, yeah. So if that's Venom and Sabretooth, I like that. It's and, and Green Goblin sitting at the back somewhere. You're kind of short on targets. Yeah, it's it's a nice like denial, like area denial kind of thing that we haven't really seen. Like Venom's kind of been that guy for a while in MCP of just like your quintessential area denial character in this game. But you can still deal with him in a sense. But like being able to kind of have that in multiple facets, I think is just it's just really exciting and interesting. And I don't know how like competitively viable it could be, but it's something that I'm going to try because I think it sounds fun as hell. 
yeah i mean i i, I was really keen on spider foes when they released all the models and i was like this is great i've got all these like these amazing sculpts and the cards seem really fun but then i put them on the table i hadn't i hadn't really i don't get a lot of practice and my practice tends to be going to an event and just trying it out um and it, it was a disaster I, I i wasn't generating power and so because i wasn't generating power i couldn't do the cool things i wanted to do and then my models would get one shot so they weren't even getting to like use power from being attacked and it was just uh, it was a disaster. It was so bad, actually. That it was. I was playing two events that weekend, oh, and wow. I then went, literally went home and said, well, "I am not taking Spider Foes to this second event because I just I don't want to." So instead, I started on a eighteen game A Force run. But yeah, oh, they, nice. they were just they were that bad. I was just like, no. I, they're kind of, and this one little, you know, it's, it's it's one little change on his attack and one little change to his leadership, and I genuinely think that's going to make a massive difference. Yeah, um, I think so too. And. Like I, I want to go ahead and tell the suits out there. Like this is, I'm gonna I'm gonna go into like theory craft land for just a second because I think it's interesting. And let's talk about kind of what this change impacts within the spider foes in general. So like we talked about the clapback stuff, and what about what do you think of this? Craven and Mysterio get like some really cool synergistic benefits here. So Craven can use corner the beast to potentially well one his damage output is more consistent and he already had some really good damage output and then you can use corner the beast to make it to where the enemy within three of him can only you know whenever they move or whenever they advance that's what it is whenever they advance they take a damage and they lose wall crawler so everybody thinks well you know it's really good against the spider people yes it is obviously but any character that you feel like you can kind of keep within an area or maybe that has already activated, you can get Craven to use Corner of the Beast on them and then now Mysterio with that four dice attack to do damage that much more consistent, you can do two attacks with Mysterio potentially and get two advances off and that's extra damage there from that moving. Like that's it's, it's a little thing and it takes some setup, but I think that something like that is one of those things that's going to really surprise people on the tabletop it's like huh why is craven putting corner of the beast on this guy oh that's right because mysterio's coming for him yeah i think it just enables everything like that on on craven is kukri strike always generated you one power so that was usually pretty consistent if you walk up you'd hit someone if well you can't walk. if you're already standing next to them you hit right. them you gain the power but now on his spear thrust that's where you can write i'm going to use the because i've had spear thrust where he just doesn't do the damage yeah and if you if you if you haven't already done the kukri strike or you're like you're outside of range two, so you've got to use the spear thrust. The spear thrust was terrible at gaining you power because it was a four dice, and you gain power each of the damage dealt. Well, now again, he doesn't have to spend the power to use the leadership ability. Much better chance of gaining power on that. Great, now you've got the power. Like you said, you can afford the corner of the beast if you're lucky. You know, maybe now you afford two corner of the beast. That's yeah. two models that you can put on. Mysterio again now is better at, you know, hitting doing the damage. Mysterio only needs one point of damage. And that model then moves. That model then gets hit by his ability. And if they're taking damage from Craven, I mean, yeah, you like you, you said it already about like Venom. Like the area, the area denial hit here is is really big. And, yeah. and Green Goblin's got it as well. So, you know, this is this is kind of now becoming more of a okay. We can see what Spider Foes are trying to do. They just couldn't do it in the past. It just didn't quite work. I think now it's going to work that little bit better. Absolutely, absolutely. So. Yeah, I think that kind of wraps it up for Green Goblin. I mean, do you have anything else you want to say about him? Because I'm just I'm really excited for this change, and I just think that it enables so much 
that we're going to see here? Yeah, I think I think the only other thing is that the, the, what we're seeing here is the kind of things people have said, well, I hope they change, you know, X, Y, and Z. The, they've kind of done it on caps. They've done, I mean, Hulk, they went more than we expected, and they've done it on Green Goblin. So some of those other models that people have been saying, oh, I hope they do this, and I hope they do this, you know, clearly they've been thinking the same things because, you know, they're, they're not actually reacting to what we're saying. <laughs> they've made these changes probably months ago. And we're just getting to see them now. So it gives me a lot of confidence that when these changes come out at the end of the year, you know, like Guardians of the Galaxy are going to have that little, they're going to be a little bit better. And so now we're not going to have these affiliations where people are going, oh, well, I can't play spider folk. They're not very good. Or I can't play Guardians because they're not very good. You know, it's almost going to be like getting new models, you know, yeah. without paying for anything. Stuff we've already got. It'll be like, oh, I've got new toys and, you know, that that's I'm just really looking forward to it. Yeah, and I think ultimately the goal with all of this is just to to kind of not necessarily raise something up that hasn't been played because it hasn't been played. I think it's more just the natural balance of things. Like I'm you know, you listen to the show so you know, like I don't feel like that there's been this like heavy level of power creep in Crisis Protocol. Like I know that that that's that there has maybe been some maybe but like I don't feel like that it's it's been like this crazy power creep. What I think has been is like you get these one or two overtuned models like every six months. Yeah. And and because those models are just ever so slightly overtuned, it makes the other things look not as good by comparison. But I don't see that as like overall game power creep. And I think what these changes that we've seen so far, like you mentioned, Cap, Hulk, Modoc, uh, now we've got green goblin and whatever future changes they do i don't think it's a response to kind of say well we've introduced things that are too strong so we want your models to still be viable i think it's a well you know that stuff you paid for we want you to be able to still use it and be happy with it and and all of that so let's make it a little more enjoyable and a little more fun to have on the tabletop and i think that i think that's kind of what ultimately we're seeing here so. Yeah, I totally agree. I think there's there's probably things where they were maybe a bit too cautious that, you know, I can you can see what they think where they look. You know, they obviously we had this big almost a year gap between Green Goblin and the rest of the Spider Foes, right? But I don't think that was meant to be. I think they were meant to come out very close together, and so maybe when they they did it, you know, and you know half the game that we have now wasn't out, and they looked and went, oh well, if 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 Green Goblin is doing five damage, or if all of them get this leadership for free, it's too powerful for what they looked at at the time um but you know then since then we've got more more tougher models or we've got you know people that can deal with this kind of stuff better uh and like you said not necessarily things that are totally overpowered just things in isolation exactly uh, so that they've had to kind of go well actually yeah we'll just bring it i mean it's, it's two tiny changes they've literally removed one bit of text on the leadership and bumped his main attack by one dice and that's and it that's yeah I mean, it's the same as Cap. Cap, you know, they made very tiny changes to Cap. Um, and, you know, Avengers have now got a third leader. Yeah. So uh, it's all in all, I, I, I say it a lot. And, and look, I'm, I'm not above criticizing AMG. I, I, will, I will offer criticism when it's warranted. But in this instance, it's nothing but praise that so far they've done nothing but, but give us what we want in a lot of ways. And I'm, I'm excited to see what the future holds with some of these rebalances that they've they've been looking at doing here. But speaking of rebalances, 
yeah, let's talk about Rogue now because whew, this is a spicy tomato here. <laughs> uh, so first of all, like we always do, let's talk about this model. And I saw a meme where <laughs> she's dunking the basketball. <laughs> Like, look, I like this model. I'm not, I'm definitely got, not going to have like the Sentinel heart or whatever that is just because it looks, it, I'm, I get it. It's cool ish, but like, I just, I'm not about that life. And it looks too much like she's going for a layup, you know? <laughs> I was so glad when someone posted, like when they, when the model, because it appeared on like Asmodee's website early or something daft. And that's all we had. I was so glad when someone said, no, this is, you can remove. You can remove the basketball from her hand. I was like, "Thank goodness for that," because it just looked—it just looked weird. I was just looking at the picture we get now. It just—I don't know. If, it's wrong. If it's just her fist, it'll look fine. She'll be flying out of something exactly. like that's exploded. That's that's cool. Yeah, and that's the thing. Like it—it it looks wrong because there's no context for what is what is happening. You know what I mean? Like that's the way I look at it. Like like if there was like some sentinel brains there, if like there was like a sentinel head on the base you could like okay i see what you did there but there's not so you know yeah just i'm just i still love it, it like in general but it's just one of those it's like i see what you were going for but i think you might have missed the mark just ever so slightly yeah i mean the, the face looks weird but then i can't draw faces anyway so that's not going to be I don't think that's going to be an issue for me. Look, um, no, nothing will ever look as weird as Angel from Guild Ball, the original Angel from Guild Ball. If you've ever, if you ever seen that sculpt, like that was a weird face. <laughs> uh, I can't. I can have to dig mine out now. Just but do yourself just a favor. Look at it. Yeah. <laughs> um, but the, the key thing for me, and I think I did. I write it on it. Yeah, I think the key thing was me that I did when I wrote because I did it. I did a top ten most wanted X Men post. And Rogue was my number one. And I think I wrote, yeah, I wrote Flight, Super Strength, Bomber Jacket. So she has the Bomber Jacket. Yeah. So kind of like, like, it doesn't really matter what the rest of it looks like. She has the Bomber Jacket. So that's a Rogue model. So I'm just like, excellent. It's, it's the model I wanted. She has a Bomber Jacket. I can remove the weird metal basketball uh, from her hand. So. Yeah. Oh, yeah. And and they, they definitely went with the 90s version. And I'm so thankful for that because it's just, I mean, that's the version we all know and love. Yeah. You know? So. Very glad for that. But let's now talk about her stat card. So there's a couple interesting things they did here. Is you've got Rogue Anna Marie LeBeau. Now, this is post-Gambit marriage Rogue, which is very interesting, I think. I, I might be taking a Sharpie to that. It'll just say, <laughs> if I might just say nothing. It might just say Rogue. Might just say rogue. There you go. Yeah, redacted. Redacted. I respect that. I respect that. So she has a top stat line of six stamina. She moves medium. She is size two, threat value of four. She has a physical defense of four, an energy defense of three, and a mystic defense of three. And I'm also going to say this right now. Nothing changes from what we're about to talk about on her injured side. Everything's the same. So, yeah, what do you? It's a pretty solid stat line. Maybe I guess right in line with most other four threats, really, if you think about it. Yeah, I mean, having the four on the the physical is is nice, but like you said, it's it's, it's bog standard basically. Yeah, and she is on a thirty five millimeter base. I don't know if they confirmed that, but like they had her, 
you, you can see her kind of in context with some of the other models and like it, she's on a 35 mil base so we, we know that and uh, you want to go over her attacks yeah so she has she has two uh her first attack absorbing strike range two five dice uh, before choosing a target, this character chooses whether the attack type is physical or energy, which is nice. Uh, after this attack is resolved, the character gains power equal to the damage dealt. And then on a wild, she has sap power. So it's the standard word. And before damage is dealt, target character loses one power for each wild in the attack roll. And this character gains that amount of power. Uh, and then she has one other attack, uh, also physical. Again, range two, seven dice, only cost three, which is nice. If the target character is size four or less after the attack is resolved, it may be thrown short. Nice. Those are some interesting, uh, interesting attacks. Both range two, which has my eyebrow raised. But uh, we're going to see some more stuff here on the card that's going to help out with that. But because, like, we've seen characters like Taskmaster, who he has a shield throw, but it's you know you're not really using shield throw very often. But most of like his good stuff is only range two. And that, and you know, so usually he's only getting like one attack off a turn or something. So it's uh, it's definitely something to think about here. But I don't think we're going to see that problem with Rogue. But what do you think of Absorbing Strike as a builder? Because personally, I think it's pretty darn good. Yeah, I mean, the, the sort of two things, isn't it? Isn't it the fact that she can choose power or energy? I mean, that's that, that's great. If you're fighting against Convocation, right? Well, I'll just smack him with a physical attack, or I'm hitting Venom. Although, as we established earlier, hitting Venom is going to become a really bad idea. Uh, (laughs) You know, hitting him with energy, obviously, is is the way to go. So, you know, you're going to be able to choose in someone's lower, lower defense. So that's good. And then sap power. Like we haven't we've only really seen sap power on, I think, pretty much only energy attacks, almost always ranged, um, sometimes beams, which is bonkers. Uh, So, you know, she's going to be able to generate, you know, quite a lot of quite a lot of power off that attack, which is, I guess, kind of the point she's like doing damage to them and absorbing some of their life force at the same time. Yeah, I, I really love that. And I think that more often than not, like this is one of those few characters where you're going to see that spender attack used fairly regularly because I think just based on this, that she should have the power to do it. And when we get into her superpowers and stuff, I mean, she has things that she can spend power on, but I also think she's just going to naturally be able to have power. I mean, She's, for lack of a better phrase, going to be a powerhouse. Or yeah, I think on your average, on your average turn, if she hasn't done any of her superpowers, if she started with one, and she's hit someone, she's got a pretty good chance of generating two. You know, even just if it was one damage and a sap power, that's her three power. Right. Well, now she's hitting someone for seven dice. More importantly, she's throwing everyone except Ormamu. Exactly. Or anyone else is going to be size five. So you know that's. That's massive. And it's only three power to do a seven dice attack with a throw. And it's not a way. It, she doesn't need a wild. She doesn't need to have done damage to do that. She just automatically gets to throw them. Yeah. So that's just really good. Yeah. And it's a may throw, which is nice because like, so you don't have to. But I mean, I would definitely be doing that. But like it's also, I think, an interesting and subtle touch here is it's it's only seven dice and seven dice attacks and you know the more dice you add the more chance you have for a spike in this game we all know how dice like to dice however with that being said seven dice is generally kind of like edging on being able to one-shot characters you know and so like there's a non-zero chance if you're going into a fully healthy character that has five stamina 
you might not take them out. And then if you're able to leave them on that one health, then the Southern Hospitality throw makes a, is really great because then you can throw them into somebody doing that one point of damage that you might have needed. And then, you know, on down the line, the chain of death happens, you know. So, <laughs> so I just, I think that that's kind of an interesting thing that we don't talk about a lot or, or think about a lot when we're looking at these attacks and stuff is like, you know, if you're rolling all these dice and the way that the wording works here, it's, it's after the attack is resolved. So if you daze them, you, you just don't get the throw. So you definitely have to think about those kind of things when you're using these attacks. But I think this is one that you'll see used quite a bit. Yeah, I think I think she's got a really good suite of attacks here that, you know, she's got a, a decent builder that is going to be getting her enough power to then, like you said, she's hitting that Southern Hospitality, I think, most rounds. Um, I mean, the only issue she's got is that they're both range two. Exactly. But. So, let's talk about superpowers now. <laughs> so, her first superpower is charge, because we've seen this one before. It'll cost you two power. It is an active superpower, so it has to be on her turn, and it will also cost you one of your actions. This character immediately makes a move action followed by an attack action. This superpower can be used only once per turn. So there you go. That's how you close the distance right there. Hello, Valkyrie. Nice to see you. <laughs> you know? <laughs> I mean... Well, that... I think that no, no one ever complained that Valkyrie only had range two physical attacks because she has charge, so it's not an issue. Exactly. And it's the same thing here. You know, Rogue, Rogue's going to be able to close that distance, and while Valkyrie's able to charge from turn one, Rogue is not. However, I don't think that's going to be an issue, really. And and you also got to think about, like, kind of in, in affiliation X-Men, like, we don't know what other affiliation she's going to be in, but we know she's in X-Men, and there's some interesting things that you can do there with power economy and whatnot. And, and movement economy. So I think this can be pretty interesting. Yeah, I think I think as well as when you consider the other affiliations that she's likely to be in, that will, any kind of issue of she can't do it very regular, I think are going to go straight out of the window. Absolutely. So. Absolutely. We'll talk about that in just a minute. Next yeah. superpower we have is an active superpower, Marvelous Strength. It will cost you three power. Choose an interactive terrain feature of size 4 or less and within range 2 and throw it medium. This superpower can be used only once per turn. So, Chris, what do you think of this throw? Uh, I mean, actually, I've got Captain Marvel's throw up. So, despite the fact it's called Marvelous Strength, which I'm assuming is like the fact that she has Captain Marvel strength, actually, Captain Marvel only gets to throw size 3. Uh, so yeah, this is a pretty good one because a, a medium, a medium range and how far you can throw at medium is quite a long way. So, oh yeah, yeah, she doesn't get to throw people, but if you, she has three power and wants to throw a person, you just hit them with Southern hospitality. So it's kind of like the only down downside here. So yeah, you know, size four terrain that she's up there with the big guys. She's up there with the Hulks and she Hulks, um, you know, Magneto throw in size four terrain, range medium. That's, that's another chunk of damage she's doing. Absolutely. I, I'm just ever so slightly disappointed that it's not a character throw. However, I think that, again, we talked about balance earlier. I think this is an instance of balance because now if you want to displace a character, well, how do you do that? You'd use Southern Hospitality, where, like we said earlier, you run the risk of potentially dazing that character and subsequently not displacing them like you might have wanted to do. And it is 
important to note that just taking it back a second to Southern hospitality in terms of measurements, I know it's a lot of people don't, don't kind of know like what's measuring and longer, shorter than what a short throw is going to push someone outside of range two that they will be outside of range two at the end of that throw if they were base to base. So keep that in mind when you're doing that kind of stuff. Now, how does this relate to marvelous strength? It's, doesn't other than she can't displace characters other than by southern hospitality but i do think a size four medium throw you got to be close to the terrain but not too close so get you know if you've got someone that you really need to ko or something it'll come in handy yeah when i've played a lot with like she hulk and there's not very often in, in Marvel that she's not within two or something that she maybe it's not the big thing it's not you know i might have to throw a size two at someone but having the option to throw size four is massive. There are not many characters that can throw size four terrain at people. Exactly, and I love it. So next is another active superpower. So everything she does is on her turn. Mutant Absorption. This will cost you two power. Choose an enemy character within range two of this character. Roll five dice. The chosen character loses power equal to the number of crit, wild, and hit results. If the chosen character would lose more power than it has, it suffers one damage for each power it could not lose. The chosen character does not gain power for damage suffered in this way. This superpower can be used only once per turn. That's a lot to unpack. And let's start with the fact that, okay... Your range two, which is where all of your attacks are, so you can charge in, build some power with your absorbing strike, and then do a mutant absorption. I mean, like that's living the dream, I guess, in a lot of ways, but I don't think that's too far out of the realm of possibilities in terms of sat power that she has, plus five dice builder, all that stuff. So you got to be within range two to do this, and then you roll five dice. We've seen things like this before where you've got like the martial prowess on defense you've got like we mentioned with mysterio tricks and traps i think tricks and traps is uh, crits and wilds so you got to be able to hit that stuff on crits and wilds now adding the hit on here though means that on those five dice you have access to four out of eight sides that that you are able to to potentially do this damage, take that that power away, do the damage. And then, again, more to unpack here. So you take power away from people. You don't gain it, but you take power away. Or if you do this on someone that has just activated and used all their power, well, now you're damaging them. This, this is huge, I think. Yeah, I think this is, the, of everything else on a card, I think this is the one that people will take the longest to sort of work out how it works. Like, if people are thinking, oh, I'm going to use that as extra damage, I don't think it's going to work. If you, if you walk into someone, hit them with absorbing strike, yes, you might get sat power and take some power off them. But if you've done any damage, given them the power back. If you then go for mutant absorption, you probably don't do any damage to them. But like I said, if you go for people that have already activated, they burnt all their power because they don't have any defensive stuff, so they didn't bother keeping any, well, you know, this is just, this is free damage. You just walk up to them and you just, there you go, two power. You almost, you know, it's, it's, you're going to be on that 
two, three. That's your kind of that's your split. You've got a reasonable chance. You get, you know, you get three hits. If that person's got no power, they take three damage. They could just die. Straight, straight up die. Exactly. Uh, and there's nothing to, there's no way of stopping it. The, the only you know, the, your only defense against that attack from Rogue is having power. That's that's it. So and and even that's not really a defense because you don't want to be losing that power. No. <laughs> you know? Like so, Yeah, it's it, gonna be interesting. It's gonna be interesting. And I think that if if I'm just, you know, if we're hot taking this, I haven't put Rogue on the table. You know, I know that her cards are out there. Other people have gotten like some games in with her and stuff. That that's cool. I, I just haven't done that yet. But I think a very common pattern that you're gonna see with her is if you need a displacement, you're going to use Southern Hospitality. But I think actually a common pattern is going to be Charge, Absorbing Strike, Mutant Absorption, Absorbing Strike. And yeah. literally, with that combo, whatever you want to kill is dead. Like, I don't, I don't see that not being the case in most instances. And even if you're not hitting someone that is without power right like let's say they are they're flush with power and your absorb your mutant absorption is is not actually doing the damage you're still limiting their opportunity to hit you back and and to to do their big awesome thing on the comeback and i think that that's really great and and it's going to be really interesting she's got a couple more superpowers we're going to talk about here and then we can kind of talk about what her role is on the tabletop so she has an innate ability here it's Cree mutant physiology when this character would suffer damage from an enemy effect, reduce the amount suffered by one to a minimum of one. So she has damage reduction. <laughs> oh, man, it's just this just keeps getting more and more like a powerhouse here. And then yeah, she, I think up until that point, I would have said she's you know she's just straight up she's doing damage, and then all of a sudden you read that and go ah, she can take the damage as well, which is. Nice. Yeah, n- nice. I'd say that uh, out of all of this uh, nice little Sunday that we've put together here, that's the sprinkles. Yeah. You know, maybe I'd say. Uh, so then she has flight and immunity to poison. So that just, it's just all around all good times here. And we, we like we said earlier, we, we talked about kind of the affiliations that we expect. Again, we don't know, but it's, I mean, she's X-Men. Come on. And where else do you think that she would slot in nicely? Uh, I mean, it's not so much of where she'd go in. The, the other ones I expected to see, too, I, I expect her to be Brotherhood. I know, like, at this point, she'd left Brotherhood, but I would be surprised, particularly when they played her on stream. I believe that is what they did. I missed ah. it, but I, I'm, I'm sure that's what they did. So I'd be surprised if they didn't throw her in a Brotherhood as, a, like, a, you know, uh, you know, not of the of the cap to the fact that she started in brotherhood that's where she was before she joined the x-men exactly um then the other one i based on some of their weird things the fact that deadpool and cable ended up in in avengers the only place i can find that is that after the avx event they did something called the uh, the avengers like the avengers unity squad something like yes, that it was a steve yeah. rogers thing and and deadpool turned up in that and cable turned up in that but the leader of that team was rogue was rogue so if she's not an Avenger, but Deadpool and Wolverine and Cable are, I'm going to be really annoyed. <laughs> yeah. Um, I'd also like to see her in A-Force purely on the basis that she's female. So can we have her in A-Force, please? 
Um, and the funny thing is, in all three of those affiliations, again, I think A-Force is the longest stretch, but in all three of those affiliations, she's really getting a lot. Like if she's with Steve Rogers and can charge for one and can do mutant absorption for one and can throw for two, that's amazing. Um, even with, what, Hulkbuster, if she then has damage reduction plus damage reduction from collisions, that would be great. Oh, yeah. If she's, with, if she's with Brotherhood, she has a size four throw. She can throw that. for so throw that. That's four power to the rest of the affiliation. Um, and if she's in A-Force, then she's going to have tons of power and she'll be able to, you know, charge and do Southern Hospitality and do Marvelous Strength and do Absorption. And she'll be able to. So and I think if, if she any of those three affiliations she goes into, she'll she'll love it there. It'll be just great. Absolutely. I, I, I 100% agree with you. I, I think that it, those are the, the main things. And even out of affiliate, like if she's not Avengers affiliated, because I agree with you, like that that run, I, I read some of that. And yeah, like, come on. It's like she's got to be Avengers affiliated. But I could also see like this weird thing where like, well, let's balance her out a little bit and not put her in Avengers. <laughs> Make yeah. you have to take her out of affiliation. I'm still taking her out of affiliation in Avengers. <laughs> like, yeah. Steve Rogers Avengers with her is insane. Sam Spam with her also very interesting because then she's able to move into position <laughs> and she doesn't have to use her charge, you know. So and she and she heals and she heals exactly. <laughs> like, just what kind of crazy nonsense is this going to be? I can't wait to see it. But let's talk about her role on the tabletop. We, we we've talked about her damage output and, and yeah, but like, do you think that she is like? middle of the board standing there tanking attacks from people or do you think she's like more wing single target assassin kind of thing i think if it wasn't for the 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 damage reduction i can see you put her on a wing and you bully someone but i think with that damage reduction i think genuinely she kind of fits there aren't many models that do i think venom's maybe one that's like this that venom can really dish damage out but he can also take it as well Mm -hmm. um you know, there's not many models like that. We have t really tanky models like Luke Cage that can just take a ton of hits, but he doesn't, you know, he doesn't really put out the damage as much. I think she falls more into almost like War Machine. War Machine, I find yeah. for me, that's what I find him. The diff trouble is War Machine struggles to actually spend. He's usually sitting there on a stack of power, which he doesn't spend. But you know, War Machine's three threat. He only has, I think, he only has five stamina, but or at least on one side. You know, I think Rogue actually maybe is doing is doing that. Actually, you can throw into the center of the board, knowing well. I've got four physical defense. I've got six stamina. I, I can, you know, I've got my damage reduction. Um, and if you start trying to hit me, you're probably not taking me down. And then I'm going to really punish you. And you're left with that thing of, well, maybe I don't attack Rogue because I don't want to give her extra power. Well, she's still going to punish you. I mean, she's just, yeah, I think like a proper, she's like, feels like a brawler, like that kind of thing, right? She's oh, not yeah. like, you know, she's not a straight out tank. She's, she's not an assassin to me. She's that kind of brawler person that can do, you know, because her damage isn't crazy, crazy high. It's, you know, it's it's good. Yeah. So, yeah, that's how I see it. Yeah, I think that's fair. I, I definitely have gotten myself a little bit uh, riled up with the thought of the damage potential. Uh, but but you're right. I don't think that she's necessarily going to um, to to be like this mega assassin. Like she's she's not an assassin on the level of Gamora, right? Like I think Gamora is like kind of your quintessential assassin character in this game. I guess you could say Nebula too, but Nebula being a two threat is kind of in a different bag, I guess. But like Gamora, you know, she has a, a six dice strike, you know, God Slayer, whatever it is. Like, so, so when we look at Rogue in that context, she's not 
that level of an assassin. But I do think that she's really versatile, like you said. Like the the brawler style, I think, is really interesting on her. And I think that she's versatile in that depending on deployment and stuff, she's one of those characters you might want to hold back to deploy late because then you can kind of pick your matchup. And, oh, okay, my opponent ran someone over here on a wing, like ran a Valkyrie on a wing, right? Like I'm going to... I'll gladly put Rogue across from Valkyrie and take that fight. Yeah. You know? And, and yeah, like, you you think, well, yeah, a four-threat should be able to deal with a three-threat, but Valkyrie consistently hits above her weight class, but I think Rogue, in that instance, is is really going to be able to deal with Valkyrie and, and then with the mutant absorption, being able to take some of that power away from Valkyrie so it turns off a lot of what Valkyrie might want to do, I think is really nice. And then, additionally... If you're putting her up against someone like a Cable, you know, if she can get there to Cable, I think she's going to one it one on one. She will outfight Cable, you know, and I think that that's a really just interesting kind of way to look at, at, at how this character is. And then, like you said, you can put her on that middle gamma shelter and feel like she can tank a few hits. Yeah. You know, and then she'll be ready to just come back and just waste everyone, which I think is just going to be great. And I think when I look at this card and everything, you know, mutant absorption being limited to just once per turn, I think is really important because if it wasn't, it'd be really, it'd be way strong. But I just, I see her just being this power manipulator, damage, potent, just force. I just, I really feel like she's going to be a force on the tabletop. I really do. And I think that within X-Men where they've kind of, you know, you look at a guy like Wolverine and you think, well, that's your damage dealer in affiliation, but it hasn't really worked out that way because he kind of has some of the problems of getting there and whatnot. I think Rogue, turn one, obviously you're going to have a problem, quote-unquote, getting there. and with You're not going to have charge or anything like that without some advanced R&D help. But I think she doesn't get a lot of benefit from Storm's leadership, but she's going to be one of these characters that now, if you want to talk about leaderships within X-Men, I think Cyclops' leadership is a bit more turned on because she's going to have that power to contribute to someone's spender attack. And I think that that's a really interesting way to kind of look at her as a battery for a Cyclops leadership X-Men. And giving Cyclops the ability to do an optic devastation, you know, beam five, seven dice, and potentially hitting, you know, three targets with that. Like, I think that's just really interesting. And, and it's just... I think she just really brings a lot to that affiliation. Like she's not getting anything out of Storm's aspect of the leadership, but I think that's okay. Yeah, I think that I mean the movement shenanigans obviously is is helpful off Storm, but I think rather than her getting anything with Storm, I think she adds something to Storm's team because I've played into Storm a couple of times. And one of the problems they had is that they all want to kind of sit at range. Yeah. But if someone actually gets up in their faces, they just crumble to dust. You know, like Storm Absolutely. just dies um if someone gets in close to her. And actually, now if you've got a rogue, you know, you could actually put her in the middle of the board. And if you're going to deal with rogue, then the rest of the team can sit back and, and shoot at you with their benefit of Storm's cover. Or if, you know, they come in, if you go into the go and attack like, the, you know, the backgrounds go after Storm and, and Cyclops who are sitting at the back. then you know, well, rogue can come back and actually help out there a bit. So I think because at the moment, that's to me, their biggest problem was that they didn't have a, someone who could sit there and. Like Wolverine could sit there and take the damage a bit. Like there's just you know a few issues with it at the moment. But I think by the time they get Colossus 
and now they've got well they're going to get rogue and you know then wolverine as well suddenly they, they seem a bit more well-rounded they're not they're not going to get bullied so much yeah uh, so yeah become playable I... I agree. I agree. I, you know, hey, look, I, I've been wanting to get the X-Men working good, and I know that there's people out there that, that play a high-level X-Men. I haven't quite figured it out yet, but I'm getting there. But uh, I'm, I'm really excited for what she brings to that, that team and that squad overall. And, uh, yeah, I just, I'm, I'm stoked for her as a character. I'm stoked for the rest of this X-Men. I can't wait to see all these other character cards that they're going to be revealing. I mean, shoot, on this show we still have to reveal or we have to review magic and and some of the other stuff. So like, you know, uh spoilers, she's good. Spoilers, she's legit. Uh so uh next up, let's go ahead and talk about her tactics cards real quick. Because okay. they did spoil a couple of them. And the first one we've got is mind if I cut in. It is an unaffiliated active tactics card. Rogue may play this card. Period. No cost. This round, when an enemy character is choosing the target for a non-area or non-beam attack and Rogue is in range and line of sight, the enemy character may pay one power. If they do not, the attack must target Rogue if possible. So that sounds like a, that sounds weird. But basically, if Rogue is in range of an attack, the enemy has to spend a power, and if they do not choose to spend that power, they have to t attack Rogue. This is excellent, because it lasts an entire round. Yeah, I think it's, 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 it's like, nice. Because it's the fact that, you know, people all spend that power. People don't want to attack Rogue. They want to be attacking someone else. So it's just more of them, they're not having as much power as they want to. It's like doing exactly what she's doing already. It's making them struggle for the power they want to have. So, uh, and like I said, for the fact that it lasts a whole round, uh, I mean, sure, you know, ideally you want priority to play this so you can play this right at the start, but it doesn't cost her any power. It's literally, it's just, it's a nuisance. It's a nuisance card, which people are going to be frustrated to come up against. Right. And I think that it, it's, I say it's excellent. It, it, it's excellent in the sense that, okay, you want to get power onto Rogue so she can do more stuff. She doesn't generally have a problem doing that, but okay, she wants you want to get more power on her. So people attacking into her potentially gives her more power. But also, like you mentioned, with keeping the more squishy characters or the backline characters or whatever you want to call it, keeping your other characters, Storm, Cyclops, whoever, safer by saying, okay, attack my beater... I think just it uh, it really helps as well. And, you know, again, you force decision points onto your opponent where, okay, if I spend this power here, what am I going to not be able to do on my turn now? You know what I mean? Which I think is really nice. Yeah. I've just got really distracted by looking at the art for this. Obviously, we've only got the card, the text side of the art, but that's Jubilee in the center. Uh, yeah, it certainly looks like it is, and that's exciting. I like Jubilee. Yeah. I just, I want to, if they have a, if they have a two-threat character, like, there you go, two-threat character, two-threat oh, yeah. Jubilee, that'll, you know, that'd be really, that'd be, you know, they don't have a two-threat character at the moment in affiliation, so that would, uh, that would help them out. I think it would, too. Yeah, that'd be really great. I'd love to see Jubilee as, like, your two-threat, just, you know, sparkles, you know, <laughs> I love it. <laughs> I love it. It's just sparkle in people's faces. It makes me happy. 
So next up, her next tactics card we have here is Pardon Me, Sugar. And I just I love the like the way this is written. It's so great. So this is a wall of text on this yeah. card. So just just strap in. All right. It is unaffiliated. It's active. During Rogue's activation, she may play this card. Select one of the following effects. So there's a there's what is it? One, two, three, four, five different effects here. So you get to choose one of them. The first one is if Wolverine is within range two of Rogue, Rogue gains the healing factor two superpower this activation. Wolverine suffers one damage. I really like that a lot. If Cyclops is in range two, Rogue may use the optic blast attack listed on his stat card. Once this activation, Cyclops suffers one damage. I like that as well, because you're now able to attack at range four with a wild push. Yes, please. If Storm is within range two of Rogue, Rogue adds two dice to all attack rolls for her next attack action, this activation. So, and then Storm suffers one damage, because of course... But basically, I think what you need to understand about that is it says for the next attack action, this activation, she doesn't have any area attacks. She doesn't have any beams, so it's going to only be one attack. But it's still, you know, the rules textiness of it there. But still, adding two dice is spicy. If Deadpool is within range two of Rogue, choose an enemy character within range two of Rogue. The chosen character loses two power, and Deadpool suffers one damage. That one's interesting, too, because you can be kind of pretty far at that range 2 from Deadpool, pretty far at that range 2 from an enemy character. That's basically range 4. Not like I think base measurements and all that stuff might be just short of that, but that's a really far distance. If Magneto is within range 2 of Rogue, she gains cover against all attacks targeting her this round, period. Magneto suffers one damage. <laughs> so... That last one is an interesting one in terms of like how it's written. And she gains cover against all attacks targeting her this round. So that's written a lot like Rocket, whereas I, I believe it is anyways. Let me, let me take a look at that real quick because I'm pretty sure that that would mean, even if she's right up in the thick of it, that uh, she's going to benefit from cover there. Wow, this, so Rocket actually says this character always benefits from cover. But... I would think that the way that's written means that she always has that cover. What do you think? Uh, yeah, I'm looking at magnetic refraction because obviously that's kind of the close thing. And that just, just says allied characters gain cover while within three. So, uh, yeah, it's an awkward one. That's uh, one for the that rules one, forum. That's one for the rules forum, yeah. Um, but I, I really like the flavor of this card. I think as they were, this, when they put the card up in the stream and people were kind of going, oh, well, she can't absorb powers and stuff. Well, that was always going to be the case. There was no way that Rogue could have a thing on her card that said she she steals a superpower or she steals a you know an attack mm -hmm. because the balance just goes out the window. You know what happens? If she's stealing you know something really silly like Doctor Strange's scalpel thing where he gets a, a range four teleport. You know she just there's no way you could balance that. Almost undoubtedly she would be broken completely. Um, and I think after they saw the guy, I say, well, actually, why why can't they just do what they did for Deadpool? Because Deadpool has Yoink, which is basically, it's this. This is this is Rogue's Yoink. Deadpool just sits next to a mate and goes, oh, you can do that. I can do it as well. And he steals their power. 
Um, and that's exactly what Rogue's doing here, except she damages them when she does. <laughs> which right. Is, which is like spotting, like you said, the Wolverine one is so, I don't think I'd use that one, but it's so characterful, that, you know, flavorful that Wolverine takes a point of damage and then Rogue gains his healing factor. It's like, that's just exactly what happens like in the comics and in the films. It's just, it's it's so good, this card, just, just for flavor. And there's some really good useful stuff on here as well. Oh yeah. And there's the, the flavor and the thematic thing. Like we all remember... Those of I don't know if you were too old for the cartoon or not, but I'm going to assume you weren't. But we all remember that scene in the cartoons where she gets she touches Cyclops and gets his optic blast and she starts screaming and like blasting everything. And I'm just like I want I like to play in a thematic way a lot of times and I want to do that. Like and yes, I might scream like a little girl <laughs> like I just, you know, hurt my eyes or something like ah! like I don't know, I can't do it on on this podcast, but you know what I'm saying? Like I remember that. That just it stands out in my mind so much so like stuff like this these like super flavorful tactics card stuff but that also have utility i'm i'm for it and i think that one of the things that i've noticed about like x-men specifically is that they're really like tactics cards heavy and dependent on kind of like getting them to kind of work right like there's there you really want to maximize their tactics utility and i think that with this change that they're bringing out where you get 10 tactics cards it opens up a slot for a card like this, whereas maybe you wouldn't necessarily take this in a competitive environment. But now, maybe depending on the matchup, I'm like, well, yeah, I'd, I really would like to have somebody else with an optic blast from range four that can push people off of an objective. Yeah, I might really want to do that. So well, I, mean, I think it's just opens all, up a lot. Also, because it's a builder attack from him, she can use it to gain power. So that and it doesn't cost her any power. So. You know, like turn one, if she's we're struggling a bit with power, someone's moved to the mini thing. Well, I can't charge them. She can use this. Hit shoot shoots on because I think is it range five? His it's range four. Line? Oh, so you know, if he's moved or you know, if if so, maybe there's a way around it. It's entirely possible that she takes his octave blast, shoots someone, generates power, which is what she needs to then you know charge someone. So you know, there's some really nice things there, and I love the storm one. You know, she's kept this a bit. I mean, the downside there is the fact that she's got to be within two of, of Storm, and she probably isn't. But if she is within two of Storm and can suddenly, right, well, my uh, my Southern hospitality is now going to be nine dice. Right. I mean, nine dice attacks are big, and it's still only costing a three power. Three yeah. power for a nine dice attack that throws them. I mean, it's like, thanks, Storm. Yeah, exactly. I appreciate you for uh, charging me up there, Storm. <laughs> Helping me see the eye of the storm, so to speak, right? There's, there's two more things I'll point out. One is that none of this says allied. Yes. Which means you can actually take it off enemy enemy models, which is kind of fun. Um, and the other thing is, I don't know if it actually does mean anything, but we have, we've got three X-Men there. But then, of course, we've got Deadpool, who, again, we've said Deadpool is not an X-Man-affiliated character. And we don't think she's going to be X-Force. That, again, is making me hope that she is going to turn up in Avengers because he is an Avengers character mm -hmm. and she's not an X-Force character. And again, then we've got Magneto at the bottom, who's Brotherhood. So, again, that's just me just hoping more than anything, but just grasping at whatever I can get that says she's going to be in multiple affiliations. No, you you know, you you really just just blew the doors off of this car right here by saying that it's not affiliate, it's not allies. Like, so... Obviously, there's so many different things that can happen within the context of a game, but if you're going up against uh, an X-Men and you have Rogue on your team and, and you didn't bring this card, I think you're going to be sad. 
It's same thing if you're going up against a, a brotherhood. Like if if brotherhood has is your opponent and you have rogue and you have pardon me sugar, I think you're going to want to have it because being able to to pop that damage onto Magneto at an opportune time, uh, I think could be really big. And and I'm just it it opens up a lot of possibilities. And I always like things that are are flexible and 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 flavorful and all of that and making it to where this can be just hey by the way I'm going to steal your optic blast and then hit you with it <laughs> you know like yeah. that sounds so much fun I love the idea of just walking up to an enemy magneto that's got one left and going I don't even need to hit you I'm just going to pay part of me sugar and steal your life and you're just going to you're going to daze yes uh, that that's a dragon I'm going to chase yep there <laughs> there there it is right there that's I'm chasing that dragon from here to eternity. <laughs> well, that's all we have for Rogue, and I think she's going to be super fun. I think the tactics cards she brings are very interesting, very flavorful, and uh, yeah, I think I think she's going to be a very popular character. I mean, she's a popular character anyways, but I think competitively, casually, you're going to see her on the tabletop a lot because I think she is... Uh, She's that versatile of a four threat, I think. She's one of the most versatile four threats we've had in a long time. Yeah, and I think it'll be really cool. I think we're going to see more X-Men. But like I said, the fact that we're going to move up to 10 cards, X-Men really want those cool character cards, which people have been leaving out. But now you can take 10 cards, so it makes it like feel like less of a tax for taking them. And also, by the time this sort of wave of X-Men come out, I think we're then on 11 X-Men affiliated characters. You can actually take... I'm only taking X-Men. I'm taking... You know, I'm taking 10 X-Men characters, whereas at the moment you've, you've still got to, you know, drop unaffiliated characters of the X-Men, yeah. which always just feels a bit, you know, you know, I, I'm, I'm pretty competitive, but I do like to try and have my teams, not all the time, I mean, Enchantress somehow ends up in lots of my lists, but... Well, I mean, you know, she's Enchantress. I, I, yeah, it's Enchantress. <laughs> she's, she's Fulham and walked away in and it's completely legitimate from the law and it's not because she's good. Um, but it'll be, I'll love to actually go, right. I could drop 10 X-Men on the table. Cause I think of all the models I've got, most of them are painted, but my X-Men, I mean, it's almost, I've had them a year almost. And most of my X-Men aren't painted because I just, they just weren't there for me yet. It's like, I, you know, like you said, people can get something out of them, but I've not been able to work out. So I've just, I've not got around to painting them. Yeah. So this will be the boost. I can't wait to have all of these new X-Men and all the old X-Men and, yeah, and just the the, uh, the theme music playing on loop for an entire match. <laughs> yeah, that's right. Sorry, I just, I, I'll never not do that. That's always happy time. <laughs> so yeah, I'm I'm very excited. I think that this is going to be really fun, and and I think that um, you know looking ahead at, at the future of Marvel Crisis Protocol, I think I think the future is bright. Uh, honestly, like I think that that we're in a good place right here right now. But I think that. Things are only going to get better. I think that AMG understands the the to let things play out for a while and then take a look back, see what's going on, and and I know that you know that they're really looking at at the data and stuff. You know, they're they're tapped into all the different stuff that we as a community are doing. So I, I think that's ultimately a good thing, and and I'm I'm really excited for for what's to come, and and I know that. This is just the tip of the iceberg for year three. Think about that. We're in year three of this game. Like, I think starting in November, we'll be in year three, right? Yeah. That's wild and exciting. 
And I, I can't wait. I think like, you know, the, this is just, this is the stuff that's out at the beginning of sort of next year. And you think what other stuff is, is coming down the line after that. And then we have all these updated cards and yeah, it's going to be really exciting. It is. Uh, it is. Well, Chris, thanks so much for being here with me today, dude. This was great. You are a great guest and I would certainly love to have you back on. I know the suits would too. I'm not, you know, speaking for them. I don't like to do that generally, but I know, I know that it's going to be good feedback on this one. So one thing we do have to do, though, is we have got to come up with a secret code for the giveaway for this episode. And I, I kind of think it's got to be sugar. <laughs> yeah. Uh, right? <laughs> yeah. Uh, and, and it's got to be spelled like, look, if you send me the word sugar, I will not be upset. OK, you will get credit for sending me the word sugar. But look at the tactics card. Pardon me, sugar. And spell it like that, because it's definitely sugar. <laughs> Classic. Yeah, thanks for having me. It's been great. Like I said, I've been listening to I've been listening to you like your podcast since right at the start, and I've just always in, enjoyed what you do. So uh, yeah, when kind of connected over over things, it was yeah, I was, I was jumped at the offer. So yeah, I'd love to be back on. Yeah, definitely, man. So uh, with that, uh, suits. Make sure to check out, like I said, our giveaway there. You can also follow us on Facebook. Uh, you know, we post all the random fun things. And then uh, you can find us on Patreon, patreon.com slash housepartyprotocol, uh, like I mentioned over there. And send us emails at housepartyprotocolpod at gmail.com. And keep sending us those codes. And you can send me the code and just, you know, chit chat if you want we've been doing that a little bit with whoever sends me codes and that's always been fun too if you you know always reach out message me with any questions you have or anything like that chris where can people find you uh so in the blogs at that 70s game dot wordpress.com to be honest if you just type that 70s game into you know your google or your other search thing that'll pop it up on there that also comes up on facebook now there's a page in there uh and i'm you can look at me for uh, that 70s bloke on on discord or i do have twitter i just i don't use it I understand that, believe me. And uh, yeah, there will be a link in the description to this. And uh, uh, yeah, so thanks again for coming on and joining me. Party on, Chris. Party on, Will. And power down suits. <laughs> <laughs>